Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. We are talking about Bullet Train, but we are also talking about another action movie, Top Gun Maverick, which passed a couple of big milestones this past weekend. It's a pretty back-to-basics episode as we wind down the summer, but that doesn't mean I don't have some very interesting stuff for everybody to talk about. Before we get to that, I want to thank, as always, my partner here on the show, Carbon Health. We've been partners for quite a long time, and that's because we both believe in what the other one is doing. I particularly love that they're trying to make healthcare as accessible and affordable to as many people as possible. You can get the Carbon Health app right now to see if there's a Carbon Health location near you. And even if there isn't, you can do things like telehealth, which is great if you can't make it out to a physical location. Thanks as always to Carbon Health for being a partner here on the show. And let's get to the box office top 10 for this past weekend. These are the actual numbers as they've been reported. Bullet Train is number one with a $30 million debut for a movie with a budget around 90-ish before you do uh, advertising promotion. That's an all right start. It's pretty okay for me because I picked Bullet Train as one of the 10 top grossing movies of the summer. And if it opened much below this, then I might have had a big problem on my hands. So a win for Brad Pitt, a win for David Leach at the summer box office, at least as far as its opening weekend. DC League of Super Pets in its second week drops 52% for an $11 million gross. This looks like it might be, I think it's going to be very close. This might be my first loser on the summer box office prediction. I really do think it's going to come down to the wire. Is it going to be this movie or is it going to be a movie like The Black Phone unless we get a surprise pop even bigger than expected for a movie like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies or a movie like Beast with Idris Elba, which comes out in a couple of weeks. But it, it seems like perhaps Dwayne The Rock Johnson screwed me over once again. I was actually going back and looking at old prediction shows back when I was at Screen Junkies and I forgot that one year I even picked one of his movies to be in the summer top 10 and then it flipped places with another movie toward the end of the summer which is the tiebreaker against me winning the box office competition. So every summer, the sun's going to shine, people are going to go on vacation, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to somehow screw me on my box office top 10 predictions. It looks like that may happen again with DC League of Super Pets. It's a little too early to know. In third place is Nope in its third week with a 54.3% drop-off and an $8.5 million total. Thor Love and Thunder sticks around the top five in its fifth week with a 41.5% drop and a $7.7 million dollar total minions the rise of grew in its sixth week drops just 35 percent from last week and a 7.1 million dollar total it's looking like right now thor 11 thunder and minions the rise of grew both worldwide and domestic thor is trailing behind minions and i don't really think that it's going to be able to close that gap so no matter what the final rankings are uh, in the summer it does look like thor 11 thunder is going to be behind minions looking at number six through ten in its 11th week Top Gun Maverick finally drops out of the top five, and it was by just a little bit more than $100,000. It very well could have snagged that number five spot from Minions, The Rise of Gru, but still, for any movie, much less a summer movie, I mean, Top Gun Maverick came out in May. For it to stay in the top five for almost the entire summer movie season, for it still to be hanging around, look at the movies that it's outlasted. It still continues to perform well, and I mentioned that it has passed a couple of big milestones. We've been looking at 
the highest grossing domestic films of all time. It passed two this last week, so a bit of a consolation for dropping out of the box office top five this weekend. It is now the seventh highest grossing film of all time. It has passed Jurassic World, it has passed Titanic, and it now has its sights set on Avengers Infinity War for number six. If it can get to $700 million, it can crack that top five. And like I've said, I've stopped predicting that Top Gun Maverick is or isn't going to do anything. Maybe it'll be able to do it. It's just been hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. There were plenty of showtimes in my local market. I didn't do the full breakdown this week like I usually do, but there were plenty of Top Gun showtimes and people going to see that movie. This is more than just a box office hit. This is one of these movies that we get every three to five years that's just a phenomenon. And I don't even mean in the sense that Avengers Endgame was. That was a hugely successful movie, obviously. But there's something about this film, uh, like we saw with The Greatest Showman, uh, for as one example, that just hangs around, sticks around. People just love this movie. So it advances up the box office top 10 of all time. Looking at the rest of the box office top 10 for this weekend, where The Crawdad Singh has a 25% drop in its fourth week with a $5.6 million total. The other new wide release this weekend, Easter Sunday, comes in on the lower end of the top 10 with $5.4 million. Reviews may have hurt the performance on that film. Elvis is at number nine in its seventh week with a 31.4% drop-off and a $3.9 million total. And then also in its seventh week, The Black Phone with a 39.8% drop-off and a $1.5 million total. Both of those movies are really great example of how you can have a summer hit that doesn't necessarily open to $70 or $80 million. They've just hung around. They've racked up very nice totals, especially when you look at the resources that were put into them with a lot of the expectations around those films. And it really is a sign when you look at just the summer box office in total that there is room for everybody at the summer box office at least this year some years it doesn't feel like it but we've had younger skewing hits we've had older skewing hits we've had horror we've had comedy we've had superhero you name it we've had it this summer it's been a really good summer as far as just looking at the different kinds of movies that are hitting maybe it's that enthusiasm for people going back to the theaters in force for the first time the first summer really since the pandemic began. Yes, there were movies that came out last year, but this is the first real summer movie season since 2019. That doesn't mean, though, that people are heading back in the same numbers as they used to. If we look at the road to recovery, we are well below the box office average for 2015 to 2019, uh, just really not that much above where we were last year. So even though people are excited about the movies, we're not going out in the same numbers as people have been previously. A lot of that is because we have fewer releases that aren't sticking around for as long. We tend to have a smaller number Number of movies that hang around for longer than average but aren't quite racking up the same big numbers necessarily in the like three through ten spot at the box office so still some room a lot of room to grow when we look at the box office versus how we're usually doing looking at the 2022 market share for studios it's actually unchanged we're almost at five billion dollars total box office for the year but the studios are still sharing the same slices as last week universal is the box office market share leader so far this year with 25 percent parent amount at 23%, Disney Fox at 20, Warner Brothers at 13 with Sony just behind at 12%, and then the all other slice, which would be all the other studios that are not the big five with 7%. When we break it down to the per theater average, we had another A24 movie put up a great per theater average for 2022, and that is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's opening in wide release this upcoming weekend. It opened in six theaters, three in New York, three in Los Angeles this past weekend. And in those six theaters, it averaged 
$5 per theater. I was lucky enough to get to see the movie last week. If you want to see my review of Bodies, 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 it's right there on the channel right now. It's a non-spoiler review too, so I'm not going to spoil anything that happens in the film. I think that a lot of people are going to like this movie, but I also think a lot of people are going to be talking about this movie because I can see some strong opinions from a lot of different angles. At number two is the wide release film, the only wide release film actually making the chart this week. Bullet Train with $6,892 in each of its 4,357 theaters. Hansan Rising Dragon stays almost even from where it was last week, $4,675 in 31 theaters. At number four is the documentary Clay Dream, which brought in $4,550 in just one theater. That is the story of Will Vinton, who is an Oscar-winning pioneer in the world of claymation. I believe he actually coined the term claymation. He founded a studio that eventually would be taken over and rebranded as Leica, which puts out uh, some wonderful movies now. Uh, that is a documentary that you can check out if you're near that one theater that's playing it. And then at number five, another documentary just playing in one theater, I wonder if it is a drive-in because it's called Back to the Drive-In, which is a story of people that own and operate drive-in theaters. Of course, the pandemic, uh, a huge new chapter for so many drive-ins when they were the only theaters that were allowed to operate in the country. I would imagine that's probably a big part of that documentary. So if it expands wide, then I'll be interested to see uh, what that story is because I bet that's interesting. I saw a sign for the Mission Tiki drive-in on the poster, which was the one of the local LA ones, the one that Mara and I went to quite a bit when the other theaters were closed, so it'd be great just to see a familiar spot uh, in a documentary. I mentioned that Bodies, Bodies, Bodies put up a great per theater average. It's actually one of the five best per theater averages this year, which means that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness currently is the only wide release average on this list. At number one is the 4th of July film, which was combined with the Q&A, etc. live event in two theaters back in July with $109,000. Then Everything Everywhere All at Once and its opening weekend in just 10 theaters made $50,905. Then we have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which put up a $41,000 average in 4,500 theaters in its opening weekend. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies comes in at number four, which knocks the worst person in the world down to number five with its $34,606 average in four theaters. Let's look at the numbers for films in limited release, which is 1,000 theaters or fewer. The top movie last week was Vengeance, but Vengeance expanded to like five additional theaters, which put it three over the limit. So Vengeance was in 1,003 theaters, which means it is disqualified from this chart for this week, and we'll also see what it did as far as the 2022 limited release box office chart. That opens the door for Marcel the Shell with Shoes On to return to number one with a $345,000 total in its seventh week, but it shed about 300 theaters. So I was kind of under the assumption that Marcel the Shell with Shoes On was on a path to go into wide release to get into at least a thousand theaters, but it looks like it is now contracting and that it has been released about as widely as it's going to be. I'm honestly kind of shocked at that because it's a really good movie. I'm kind of sad to see that happen, honestly, because uh, I was hoping more people would get a chance to see it in the theater. At number two is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies with its $226,000 total in six theaters. Like I said, it will enter wide release, I think about 1,200 theaters this upcoming weekend, so it will be off the chart. Hansan Rising Dragon, as I mentioned, uh, shed just one theater in its second week, so in 31 theaters, put up $144,000. Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song, which is a documentary, had its biggest expansion yet. It's now in over 100 theaters, 168 to be exact. 
exact in its sixth week with a $111,000 total. And then Fire of Love, again, another movie that I was looking forward to a continued expansion for in its fifth week is losing theaters. And that's another one. Like, I know that the demand for documentaries isn't huge, but we're going into the slower part of the summer season. We're going to transition into the fall. It's not quite as busy uh, of a marketplace. And I was hoping that they would find more screens for Fire of Love as these weeks went on, because it's another great movie. And I hope that this release, which isn't that big, doesn't hurt its chances when it comes time for awards season, because it's such a great documentary. It's one of my favorite documentaries ever, honestly, my favorite that I've seen this year, and I really hope that it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Before we move on, I want to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Raycon. You know, I've been going through a big audiobook phase the last few months, really, but because it's also summer, I've got to go out every week or so and make sure that the yard's mowed, everything's tidy, but I don't have to worry about putting off that next chapter because all I have to do is slip in my Raycon earbuds and I can pick up right where I left off. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. I sweat a lot, which can make it hard for me to keep earbuds in, and let me tell you, they will not budge. Raycon also gives you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life, so I could really mow the whole block if I wanted to and not have to worry about recharging. And it's not just that they're earbuds. They also have special features, including three different sound profiles and noise isolation. So when I'm outside mowing the yard, I can switch to the pure sound profile, which is great for podcasts and audiobooks, make sure that the noise isolation is on, and that way I'm hearing my audiobook and not the lawnmower. You can find out for yourself. Go to buyraycon.com slash Merle today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buy, B-U-Y, raycon.com slash Merle to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash Merle. And I want to thank Raycon for sponsoring today's show. When we look at the 2022 limited release top 10, not much has changed here. We have BTS Permission to Dance, which is still at number one. KGF Chapter 2 at number two. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is now close to $5 million total, but stays at number three. Followed by Cyrano. The portion of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris's release when it was in limited release. The Worst Person in the World's at number six. I mentioned Vengeance because it went into 1,003 theaters this past weekend. Its gross gets frozen at $2,558,000. Like I've said before, when it enters that 1,001st theater, that's when I freeze its gross for this limited release chart, and it doesn't make it back if it goes back under 1,000 theaters. So that's where it's going to be frozen for now at number seven. That drops Crimes of the Future down one spot to number eight. The portion of Everything Everywhere All at Once is released when it was in limited release at number nine. Parallel Mothers at number 10. And then Uma, after being on the list for quite some time, drops off of the list. I mentioned that we're deep into the summer box office season, and indeed we are. This was week 14, and we are starting to see what the final results are going to look like. Top Gun Maverick is obviously going to be number one. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is going to be number two. Jurassic World Dominion is going to be number three. As I mentioned, Minions the Rise of Gru at number four and Thor Love and Thunder at number five. There's about a little less than $20 million separating them right now, but I don't think Thor Love and Thunder is going to close that gap, so I'm confident that those are going to be four and five then we get to six through ten which is where you really make or break just about any pool we have elvis right now at number six with a strong 136.4 million dollars strong especially considering that i wasn't even sure it was going to be a top 10 movie Lightyear at number seven looks pretty safe with 118 million dollars although that is a 
Far lower gross than I ever would have imagined for that film. Nope jumps up one spot to number eight. It is on the cusp of grossing $100 million domestically. It's at $97.9 million. I'm fairly confident that's going to stay on the top 10 list. And then we have these bottom two. This is where you're really going to be duking it out uh, for what the final top 10 of the summer are going to be. The Black Phone drops down one spot to number nine with an $85.9 million gross. Where the Crawdads Sing is at number 10 with a $64.6 million gross. I'm somewhat confident that Bullet Train is going to be on the this list at some point the big question is is there an august surprise out there a movie that's going to vastly outperform expectations that's going to make 80 90 million dollars enough to get itself on this chart that's a great question and that's why a lot of times the summer movie betting thing isn't settled until two or three weeks after labor day because it takes some time for august to play out and you never quite know where things are going to land Looking at my predictions versus the actual results, I've changed it a little bit uh, because we're kind of getting into the end game now. So the titles in yellow are movies that are in the domestic top 10 for the summer, but are not in the correct spot. The title in green, which would be Nope, would be a prediction I had that is in the top 10 and that I predicted right now in the correct spot. And then DC League of Super Pets and Bullet Train are the two titles that I predicted to be top 10 movies that are not as of now in the top 10 that could change uh, DC League of Super Pets, the one that I am worried about the most because I just don't know if it's going to have enough gas in the tank to get all the way to the top 10. Turning away from the domestic market, let's look at the top five internationally for the past weekend. So these are all markets outside of the U.S. and Canada. Moon Man from China remains at number one. It's a movie that is only in release in China with $59.9 million. Bullet Train took in $32.4 million outside of the domestic marketplace, followed by another Chinese film, a long-delayed movie called Warriors of Future. That is not a typo. That's how it translates, with a $20.5 million gross. Minions The Rise of Gru comes in at number four with $15.9 million, and then DC League of Super Pets at number five with $11.4 million. So when you take that international market, you smash it together with our domestic market, we get the top five movies worldwide for the weekend. And because of its strong debut here. Bullet Train is the number one movie worldwide for the past weekend with $62.4 million, just ahead of Moon Man, which took a 53.8% dip in its second week for a $59.9 million gross. Minions The Rise of Gru is at number three in its sixth week, a 32.2% drop off from last week and a $23 million gross, followed by DC League of Super Pets, which took a bit of a steeper decline, 45.8% in its second week with a $22.4 million domestic gross, and then Warriors of Future at number five with its $20.5 million gross from the market in China and Hong Kong. Looking at the overall yearly picture, Top Gun Maverick is the number one movie of the year, followed by Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World Dominion, The Batman at number four, Minions The Rise of Gru at number five, Thor Love and Thunder at number six, followed by Son of the Hedgehog 2 and Uncharted. Elvis is now kind of sniffing at the heels of Uncharted, though, at number nine with $136.4 million, and Lightyear hanging on to number 10, although I don't think it's going to be on the list for that long. Certainly not past the release of Black Panther Wakanda Forever later this year, and perhaps not past movies like Nope. 
Looking at the worldwide box office for 2022, there was a change near the top. Of course, Top Gun Maverick remains number one, but Jurassic World Dominion has overtaken Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness to become the second highest grossing film of the year worldwide, $962 million to $954.6 million. A caveat, because this show is very much about context, something to keep in mind, Jurassic World Dominion did have a Chinese release, a rather lucrative Chinese release. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness did not have that release. So there is not exactly an equal playing field between those two movies. However, Jurassic World Dominion perhaps uh, broaching the $1 billion mark. We'll see how much gas it has left in the tank uh, on the worldwide stage. It dropped out of the domestic top 10 this past weekend. The Batman stays at number four. Minions The Rise of Gru remains at number five. Thor Love and Thunder is about to broach that $700 million mark, which is kind of its minimum mark when you look at the $250 million that was put into it. So it looks like it's going to be profitable for Marvel, but not to the degree that perhaps they're used to. The Battle at Lake Chungjin 2 is at number 7. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted all remain clustered down there right around $400 million at numbers 8, 9, and 10. Let's look at the worldwide box office for the past 365 days. So you take today's date, you roll it back one calendar year, you get the top 10 movies over that period of time. Spider-Man No Way Home remains at top with $1.9 billion, followed by Top Gun Maverick. Jurassic World Dominion is now number three, followed by Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The Battle at Lake Chongjin from last year is at number five, followed by No Time to Die. Those are both now about 50 days away from rotating off this list. The Batman is at number seven, Minions The Rise of Gru at number eight, Thor Love and Thunder at number 9, and The Battle at Lake Chongjin 2 from this year is at number 10. We will take a look at the world of streaming in just a moment, but before we get to that, I always like to look at a weekend from box office history, and this week we're going to go 20 years back in time at what may be a great example of the early 2000s in Hollywood. This is August 2nd through 4th, 2002, the 31st weekend of the year. At number one was a huge opening for M. Night Shyamalan. I might argue so far that this was perhaps peak M. Night Shyamalan. Signs opened 20 years ago this past weekend at $60.1 million. In today's money, that would be closer to a $90 million opening. At number two, Austin Powers in Goldmember, which took a 57.4% drop in its second week, but was still able to bank $31.1 million. At number three... This has been shortlisted by many people to be one of the worst movies ever made, The Master of Disguise, starring Dana Carvey, with a $12.5 million total. I love Dana Carvey. I grew up watching Dana Carvey. I've never seen this movie. I was just past my freshman year of college, and it just didn't interest me. At number four, Martin Lawrence, Run Tell That, which was a live comedy uh, concert film with $7.3 million. So this is when I say this is a great example of the early 2000s. We had Peak M. Night Shyamalan, an Austin Powers movie, a Dana Carvey movie, a Martin Lawrence comedy concert film. And then at number five is Sam Mendez's follow-up to American Beauty, Road to Perdition, which I very much enjoy. I guess you would now call it a great mid-career performance from Tom Hanks, a great late-career performance from Paul Newman. We had some early Jude Law. We had some early Daniel Craig in that movie. If you haven't seen Road to Perdition, I highly recommend that film. Before we move on, I want to thank our other sponsor for today's show, Storyblocks. Storyblocks is an incredible online library for stock footage, sound effects, templates for graphics, anything you could really need to make your stuff 
even better. Storyblocks makes it possible for creators to keep up with the growing demands for modern video content so you can bring your stories to life and stop sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. The Storyblocks Unlimited All Access Plan gives you unlimited downloads for the over 1 million plus assets in the Storyblocks library so that you can find the perfect fit, create more, and spend less without sacrificing quality. All of these assets are royalty free, so you can use your downloaded content anywhere for commercial and personal use. You can also choose a plan that works for you from their selection of flexible subscriptions that scale to give you all the content and tools you need to focus on creating, not worrying about budget. You can find out more right now by heading over to storyblocks.com slash Dan. That's S-T-O-R-Y-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com slash Dan, D-A-N, to find the plan that's right for you. And I want to thank Storyblocks for sponsoring today's show. Let's look now at what people are watching through various streaming services. And we'll start with a look at the iTunes store. These are the top 10 as of yesterday. Minions, The Rise of Gru, now available for purchase and premium video on demand, is at number one. Jurassic World Dominions at number two. At number three is a Winona Ryder film called Gone in the Night, which was in very limited release, but mostly a video on demand play available for purchase and rental. Everything Everywhere All at Once is at number four. The Black Phone available for purchase and premium video on demand at number five. So Universal really taking advantage of that deal that they constructed early on in the pandemic uh, to put their movies available for PVOD after 45 days. The Lost City and Spider-Man No Way Home return to the list at number six and seven. The Bad Guys is at number eight. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which is a focus feature, which is a spinoff of Universal, at number nine, available for purchase and premium video on demand. And then The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent at number 10. Let's see what's going on with Netflix. These are the numbers globally for the week of July 25th through July 31st. The Gray Man stays on top, but not by a huge margin. 96.4 million hours watched. A PFV of 44.9, which means that 44.9 million Netflix viewers could have potentially finished viewing the film, given the hours watched and the movie's runtime. And these are good numbers, but certainly not the same kind of numbers that we've seen on other Netflix original movies. And this was a hugely expensive movie like $200 million. And this past week has been full of so much news from uh, Warner Brothers Discovery and them readjusting what they do based on streaming and kind of scaling down their focus on streaming a little bit more, diversifying their revenue streams, if not their movies. And here we have The Gray Man, a $200 million film, but how are they making that money back? Is it keeping enough people around? Is it attracting enough new subscribers? It's so interesting what's going on in the streaming world. And Netflix isn't quite as exposed as Warner Brothers Discovery has been, but it'll be interesting to see what adjustments they make. For example, will we be seeing the Knives Out sequel get a wide theatrical release instead of a limited release and then most of it on Netflix? I think that we are going to, but we'll see what happens later this year. The Netflix original movie Purple Hearts coming in a strong number two with a PFE of 23.8, followed by the Netflix original series Keep Breathing. It has a high PFV of 13.9 because it is shorter for a Netflix series. The Netflix movie Recurrence at number four, followed by The Sea Beast at number five. Virgin River season four drops to number six. At number seven, a new Netflix original docu-series called The Most Hated Man on the Internet enters the chart with a PFV of 9.1, followed by Too Old for Fairy Tales, Persuasion, and Sing 2. Stranger Things 4 dropping off the top 10 after several weeks. It is still amongst the most watched shows on Netflix, but looking at the PFV number through my global Merle metrics, it comes off just outside the top 10. 
It is very much in the top 10, though, as far as the most watched 2022 programs on Netflix. It continues to close the gap between The Adam Project. The Adam Project stays at number one with a PFV of 147.2. Stranger Things 4 now to a PFV of 129.9. Hustle remains at number three with a PFV of 100.7, followed by Bridgerton Season 2. The Man from Toronto makes a jump up from number seven to number five with a PFV of 91.3. That drops down The Tender Swindler and Senior Year to number six and seven. The Gray Man enters the charts with a PFE of 86, which means 86 million Netflix users potentially have finished watching that film. That drops Ozark Season 4 down to 9, The Sea Beast down to number 10, and the Netflix original movie 365 Days This Day drops off of the chart altogether. And then we have just one small change to the most-watched Netflix programs since they began supplying this data back in June of last year. One through nine remain the same. The only big change is that the Tender Swindler has now dropped out, and the man from Toronto now enters the top ten. By the way, I've heard from several people that I believe live in Toronto that it's funny to hear someone say Toronto when apparently it's Toronto to people that uh, are in the know. I've never been to Toronto, so I, I couldn't tell you. I say Toronto like a normie. Let's take a look now at the Nielsen ratings. Now, these are delayed by about a month. They're not inclusive of all streamers. They are for the U.S. only, and they don't count all devices viewed. So several caveats, but it is a good way for us to try to get a picture at what the big picture is with all these different streaming services. Looking at the most watched streaming movies, Sing 2 tops the charts yet again, followed by two films from Netflix, Girl in the Picture and The Sea Beast at numbers two and three. Those are new entries to the chart. And The Man from Toronto at number four. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness dropping down number five this is very interesting um perhaps it's different with people watching on other devices that aren't counted here but dr strange and the multiverse of madness does not have the longevity that we've seen with other movies on this chart meaning it started at number one then it dropped to number three then it dropped to number five we don't see it dominating but just kind of operates on the same cycle as a lot of the other marvel films so that's something to keep an eye on is are these marvel movies as big a draw to disney plus as disney hopes that they will be that's something else that we just don't know yet. At number six is Encanto, which has had the longevity and has been on this list for many, many weeks. So kids programming on Disney Plus remains extremely popular. Mean Girls on Netflix is a new addition to the list at number seven, followed by The Dark Knight Rises, which due to a quirk in licensing was available on Netflix and HBO Max. Final Score from Netflix is at number nine and Leave No Trace on Hulu is at number 10. That is not the awards film from a few years ago. That is a documentary about the Boy Scouts of America. So that is the 2022 version of Leave No Trace. And then looking at the top 10 most watched streaming shows for the week of July 4th through the 10th, this is when Stranger Things was early into its run with volume two. 80 million hours watched, easily number one. The Terminalist from Amazon, though, climbs up one spot to number two with 26 million hours watched. The Umbrella Academy drops to number three. The Boys stays at number four. NCIS stays at number five. Then we have Grey's Anatomy at number six. Coco Melon at number seven. Alone, which is another show that is split between two streaming services, Netflix and Hulu, at number eight. For the first time since HBO Max started sharing their numbers with Nielsen, we have Friends as one of the top 10 most watched streaming shows. It and The Big Bang theory are always flirting with the top 10 this is the first time it actually made it on and then at number 10 the show legacies on netflix
And that does it for the show this week. Coming up theatrically, there's not a whole lot of options this upcoming weekend. August is a bit slower. The most high-profile release is probably Bodies, 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 which, as I mentioned, enters wide release in about 1,200 theaters. There's a movie that's entering limited release, I'm not sure quite how limited, called Emily the Criminal, which stars Aubrey Plaza. I was lucky enough to get to see this as part of Sundance. A lot of these Sundance movies now are starting to come out. She is fantastic in this movie. So if you like Aubrey Plaza, then I highly recommend Emily the Criminal because I think that she could get some buzz when it comes, especially for the the smaller critics groups, the independent critics groups, etc. She's very, very good in this movie. Also, one of my favorite movies of all time, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, is getting an IMAX re-release uh, coming up this weekend. We will be traveling, but I'm going to try to find an IMAX theater because I've only seen E.T. on the big screen one time, and that was that horrendous remastered digital version, which... Uh, is not going to be the version that's shown. Spielberg has sort of disavowed that version. So a chance to see E.T. on the big screen if you're near an IMAX theater that's playing it. And then on Netflix, a new vampire film called Day Shift featuring a lot of Hollywood A-listers. So if you're staying in, there's a new uh, vampire movie coming out that you might want to check out. That wraps it up for Charts with Dan. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you to my partners at Carbon Health, my sponsors, Raycon and Storyblocks, but especially thanks for your time. I'll be back very soon here on the channel. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.